You're listening to Penny Dreadfuls from the Moth Sanctuary. I'm so sorry, the tall man said softly. I used to live here. i just come to say goodbye to the place, I suppose, while I still had the chance. I'm terribly sorry to have startled you. Lily stood aghast as the man in her apartment started towards her. Shocked into paralysis, she flinched as he approached, squeezing her eyes tightly shut. But all he did was bend down to pick up the pieces of broken glass that lay at Lily's feet. You frightened me, Lily said bluntly. But I suppose the door was unlocked, and I don't really own much, so I can see why you thought the place was empty. He got to his feet and handed Lily the box she had dropped upon finding an intruder in her home. The four beautiful vintage glasses she had been out to purchase were now three. Lily looked into the tall man's face properly for the first time. Despite his height, there was a softness to him that Lily felt an instant attraction to. She knew it was stupid, dangerous even, but she told herself that this is what she had come here for, to experience new things, new people. I suppose, seeing as you're here, it seems a shame to keep this all to myself, she said, producing a champagne bottle from the cotton tote bag slung over her shoulder. Without waiting for him to agree, Lily placed the box and her shopping bag on her tiny kitchen table and fished two unbroken glasses from the box. The tall man excused himself, saying that he didn't drink these days, but he would gladly stay for a while if she wanted some company. When Lily said yes, she would like some company, his grey eyes glowed. They were the colour of rain clouds illuminated by sunlight, almost violet. The shock of his intrusion all but dissipated in their gaze. She twisted the champagne cork until it came free with a satisfying pop and poured herself a glass. The tall man raised his to toast and the glasses clinked before Lily could protest that it's bad luck to toast with an empty glass. But she didn't want to spoil the moment, so she dismissed it as silly superstition and took a sip. They stood for a while by the balcony doors, savouring the view over the city while Lily drank. Looking out of here and seeing this was always my favourite thing about this place, the tall man said with a wistful look. The sky had begun to darken, spots of rain speckled the glass, and there was electricity in the air. It's going to storm soon. Lily told the tall man, hoping that inclement weather might give him a reason to stay a little longer, when she flushed apple red as she realised that she hadn't even asked his name. George, he said, as if he read her mind. Lily, she replied with a knowing smile. She handed George her glass, and all of a sudden she threw open the balcony doors, unbothered by the rain, breathing the petrichor deep into her lungs. She adored thunderstorms. Nothing made her feel more alive. She dragged the flimsy rattan bed frame across the room, positioned it directly in front of the tiny Juliet balcony, and sat cross-legged at the end of it, stretching her arm out of the doorway, catching raindrops in her palm. She motioned for George to join her. He carefully placed the glass down on the floor and sat tentatively on the side of the bed. Emboldened by the wine, Lily shuffled closer to him, her eyes wide, looking deep into his. As the first fork of lightning fractured the sky, she pressed her lips to his 
His skin was soft and smooth, but he felt as cold as a stone. Lily draped the duvet over their shoulders like a cape and pulled George in close to her side. She rested her head on his shoulder and they sat in comfortable silence, watching the sky shatter like glass over and over again. She didn't remember falling asleep, but when she awoke, the storm had cleared and the sky looked like a painting, wisps of cloud reflecting the golden light of the sun. The doors were still wide open, the floor was slick with rain, the champagne bottle and glasses were exactly where they had been left, but George was gone and his side of the bed was cold. There was a knock. Looking at the time and seeing it was nearly midday, Lily felt a flush of embarrassment slipped off yesterday's clothes and put on her dressing gown to open the door. She couldn't help but feel a sting of disappointment when it was Michelle standing before her. Jeanne and Michelle lived on the first floor and took care of the day-to-day running of the building. This morning, Michelle had come to deliver a newly cut key to Lily's apartment so she could finally lock the door when she went out and to remind her about the housewarming that Jeanne had organised for her on the roof this afternoon. Lily panicked. She wasn't dressed. She had nothing to bring after opening the champagne last night and no time to fetch something. But Michelle reassured her that Jeanne had taken care of everything. Food, wine, the lot. All she needed to bring was herself and that she must try her olives. Jeanne made the best olives in the world. Lily paced around her tiny apartment aimlessly, wondering when George had gone and why he hadn't left a note, a number, anything. They had only spent that one night together, but she felt like he belonged there with her. Then she began to feel quite ashamed of her neediness and quickly decided to get ready for her soiree, telling herself it would be the perfect distraction. She picked out a burgundy floral dress from her wardrobe and slipped on the only pair of heels she had. She fluffed at her hair, put on a bold red lipstick and coaxed her face into a smile. The rooftop garden was ramshackle, but strangely luscious. There were mismatched terracotta pots filled with herbs and hanging baskets overflowing with trailing ivy. A small bistro table with some chairs dotted around and a panoramic view of the city. Jeanne clapped her hands together the moment she caught sight of Lily and quickly swept her under her arm, placed a generously filled glass of wine into her hand and paraded her around to the neighbours who looked at her with equal amounts of curiosity and trepidation. Despite being touched by the hospitality, Lily was preoccupied and drifted in and out of conversations without really listening to anything. Once she finally got Jeanne's ear, she asked the question, Can you tell me anything about the man who used to live here? Jeanne's brow furrowed. She clearly had something she could share, but she seemed reluctant. I only ask as he was in my apartment last night, when I got home from the store. Jeanne frowned this time. Impossible, she said. Where he's gone, there's no coming back. It can't have been him. You best keep that door locked from now on, now that you have the key. Lily wondered what she meant, but just as she took a breath to ask, Jeanne was swept away into another conversation. Lily's curiosity weighed heavy, and she felt her head begin to throb. It was still early in the evening, the sky had only just started to purple and darken, but Lily thanked her neighbours for coming and made her excuses. She admonished herself for leaving the door ajar again. Her neighbours were all upstairs, so it would be safe enough, but after Jeanne's last comment, she suddenly felt on edge. 
she gasped as she saw George standing in the exact same spot she had found him yesterday. I did it again, he said with a wry smile. We must stop meeting like this. Lily went to rebuke him for breaking into her apartment for a second time, but the softness in his face and his asymmetrical smile utterly disarmed her. She kicked off her shoes, which instantly reduced her height by at least four inches, and sauntered into George's embrace. Maybe you should just stay here this time, she said. But George never stayed. Every evening he would come back, always at the same time. His routine was like clockwork, but despite her constant invitations, George would never stay the night. He would wait until Lily fell asleep and be gone before she awoke. She did not know where he went, and she never asked. The question was always on her lips, but she was never bold enough to actually ask it. She told herself that she didn't care. Perhaps it was because she didn't really want to know the truth, in case it was inconvenient to the little world she was building for the two of them. George truly was the strangest man, unlike anyone she had ever known before. But considering the string of disastrous relationships that had led her to abandon the life she knew, everyone she cared about, and get on a ferry to France with nothing but her passport, the clothes on her back and an envelope full of cash, she figured that different was good. And he was so different. There was something ethereal about George. He seemed to bring stillness to everything, the kind of serene stillness you find in churches. Even when she laid her head on him, the rise and fall of his breath was so slight that she barely felt him move. Whenever he was there, he filled Lily's tiny apartment with this still, silent presence. She could feel him reflected back at her from every corner. But when Lily awoke alone, every trace of him was gone. He never left a hair on her pillow, a print on a glass. Everything was back in its place, as though he hadn't been there at all, and she felt the emptiness like a hole in her chest. The days stretched on endlessly while she waited for George's arrival each evening. She found herself sleeping later into the afternoon, keeping herself awake longer into the early hours to spend a few more precious moments with George before he vanished while she slept. She had become more reserved and insular, barely venturing outside her apartment other than to fetch groceries as she willed the daylight to disappear. When she ran into Jeanne on the stairwell one afternoon, and she asked if she'd had any more visitations, Lily was surprised at how smoothly the lie slid from her lips. But Jeanne was not so easily fooled. "'I hear you sometimes,' she said, talking with yourself. "'You must be lonely in there, all by yourself. "'And you look pale, like you need some vitamin D and a good meal. "'Why don't you join Michelle and I for dinner this evening?' Lily opened her mouth to say she had plans, but this time the lie caught in her throat." Jeanne knew the movements of everyone in this building. Shall we say seven? Jeanne smiled. Lily lowered her eyes, nodded her head and smiled back, before slipping back to her apartment with her tail between her legs. She wouldn't have time to tell George not to come, and despite having spent every evening with him for as long as she could recall, she felt a looming sense of dread at being separated by something other than daylight. But she knew she couldn't avoid Jeanne, if she didn't go to theirs, Jeanne would simply come to her, and Lily was determined to keep George a secret, especially after what had been said at her housewarming party. When Lily knocked at Jeanne and Michelle's door, 
she wasn't welcomed in with the usual effervescence she expected from Jeanne. She looked at Lily with a grave expression, while Michelle just looked at the floor. Sit down, she said, and gestured towards the armchair as Michelle took his place next to his wife on the couch. What is this, an intervention? Lily asked with contempt. No, Jeanne said dryly. I'm going to tell you what really happened to George. Lily stared hard, her hackles up, waiting for a fight. George is dead, Jan said, without a shred of pity. He killed himself. He jumped from that beautiful balcony and landed face first on the pavement below. He died instantly. Jan's words filled the room. A discordant, uncomfortable sound, like an orchestra tuning their instruments all at the same time. It surrounded Lily, smothered her. And you know how I know this? Jan asked despite not really wanting an answer. It was my feet that he fell at. That bastard nearly killed me with him. Jan continued. His old place had been empty for over a year. Nobody wanted to live there, knowing what had happened. I suppose that seeing as you were not local, you were desperate, and you could pay in cash, the landlord just decided not to tell you, to make sure you would take it. Lily's breathing shallowed. Michelle, bring some water here, for goodness sake, Jan barked. Michelle ran to the kitchen and returned to place a glass of water in front of Lily. "'I'm sorry to be the one who had to tell you,' said Jeanne. "'But whoever it is that's been coming to see you at night, it's not George. "'And whatever reason they have to lie about it, it cannot be good.' Lily's head swam, and she was overcome with the urge to leave Michelle and Jeanne's apartment and never return. The three of them sat uncomfortably for what felt like an eternity— until Jan finally broke the silence. We can take you to see him, she said. Michelle and I were the only ones who saw them put him in the ground. But Lily protested, insisting that she could find him herself, if it really was true. Jan gave her the name of the cemetery, and the directions of where to find George's grave. And without a moment's hesitation, Lily was out of the door and stomping down the street, wearing a scowl so fierce that anyone approaching her stepped aside or crossed the street to avoid getting in her way. The graveyard was only a 20-minute walk, but it might as well have been 20 miles. By the time Lily arrived at the heavy iron gates, she was breathless and flushed. She had been so utterly convinced that she wouldn't find George there that she didn't even stop to buy flowers for his grave. She followed the route Jan had given her, stamping angrily down the path, rousing the tear-stained faces of weeping widows from their mourning while winged angels stood guard over their wards. Then Lily stopped. She stood so still, she could have been mistaken for one of those statues, if it hadn't been for her eyes darting backwards and forwards, reading the name on the stone over and over again. George's name. He had been dead for over a year. Lily's ears started to ring, and she felt unbearably hot. She pulled off her scarf and jacket, throwing them to the floor, and sat down on one of the graves, her back leaning on the cool, damp stone. She took a long, deep breath in and tried to steady her swimming head. If George was dead, who was the tall man in her apartment? Why had he lied? And what did he want? As the dizziness subsided, Lily felt overcome with sorrow. She sobbed at the loss of this man she had come to love this fantasy she had been living in, then sobbed even harder with guilt. 
She had come to this man's grave empty-handed, so she desperately scrambled around to pick some wildflowers growing between the stones to leave as a tribute for him, apologising for dragging him into this mess and trying to pull herself together. Lily left the graveyard in a horrible tangle of confusion, guilt, shame and fear. The questions spiralled in her head. Who was this man? Why had he assumed the identity of a dead man? What did he want with her? And what was he going to do with her when he realised that she knew the truth? For a second, Lily wondered if she could just carry on pretending, so she could live her beautiful lie a little longer. But the closer she got to her apartment, the more the fear sank in. What if George hadn't killed himself? What if he had been pushed? The tall man knew how to get into her apartment unseen, unheard, and unnoticed. Even when she was at home, she never opened the door to him. He had always just let himself in. Then it dawned on her that the tall man had continued to let himself in, even after the lock had been changed. Fully consumed by her terror now, Lily swung into a hardware store on her way back and bought a claw hammer. Whoever her intruder turned out to be, she would be prepared to defend herself. With the hammer tucked into her jacket, she crept up the stairs to her apartment, stepping as lightly as she could in the hope that the element of surprise would give her the advantage. The door of her apartment was open, and just as she had feared, there was a man standing inside, looking out of the open window. She pushed the door as slowly and silently as she could. The man turned around sharply and started towards her with his arms outstretched like Frankenstein's monster, and Lily stuck the hammer into the top of his head without a moment's hesitation. He crumpled onto the floor, face down, as blood seeped from around the hammer. But it wasn't this gruesome act, or her own unflinching violence, which made Lily so afraid. Something was wrong. Terribly wrong. George was standing in front of her, staring at the body at her feet with a look of abject horror on his face. Michelle was standing next to him, looking down at the bloody mess Lily had just made of his head. What have you done? They both said in unison. This story was written and read by Chloe Gorman, with music by Andrew Bate. Penny Dreadfuls from the Moth Sanctuary is an audiobook series by Moth Sanctuary Productions. You can subscribe to the series on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and YouTube. Follow Moth Sanctuary Productions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or for more dark delights, visit mothsanctuaryproductions.com.